Going on, guys. Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold, but the takes are hot. Today, we've got Mock the Draft on deck for you guys. Basically going to give you guys uh, some of our favorite and least favorite, uh, I guess, picks slash winners and losers. Uh, we'll kind of go over our team's halls. I know but I'll go over the Ravens hall. They had a great hall, and I'll go over the Chargers hall. Um, we'll kind of get some overarching thoughts on the draft, kind of how we thought it went, some surprises, maybe some uh, maybe some not surprising things per se. Um, but I'll start off with the Chargers hall. Um, since they're kind of my team, I'll start off with them. I thought they had a decent haul. Um, kind of in the moment, I didn't love a couple of their picks. Um, kind of took some time to kind of evaluate the player a little bit. Guys I didn't really know a ton about, uh, like their third-round pick. But uh, starting off round one, that 17th overall pick, that's a guard, Zion Johnson at a Boston College. Really loved this pick. Um, thought it was good value for the most part. Um, they weren't going to go take an edge. He was on the board because they, they drafted basically drafted Khalil Mack with their second-round pick since they traded out to Chicago for him. So, but Zion Johnson was really good move, clearly setting the tone for wanting to get the run game better with him. Um, obviously a great pass protector as well, but playing him at guard, going to be probably a right or left guard for them, depending on how they sort out the O-line with Matt Filer potentially signing to tackle, but we'll see. Um, but Zion Johnson going to slot in from day one at either guard spot, be a super high-level player, potential pro bowl or his rookie year, um, depending on how that team performs. So uh, just just really good player there, really good to get and all, all around. Uh Round three at pick 79, they go JT Woods, safety out of Baylor. Again, they didn't have their second-round pick. They moved it for Khalil Mack, so I'm happy with that move. Um, I didn't love the JT Woods pick off the bat. I mean, Brett can attest. I was pretty pretty pissed off, pretty upset. Um, just I thought there were better players on the board, and, and I still think that they could have gone a different direction other than safety um, and gotten a better value in terms of players that were there. Never, nevertheless, though, um, I like the process of the JT Woods pick. I like the reasoning behind it, and I like the thought process that went into the pick. I like the player. Um, I think he was a good player. I just thought it was a little bit early for him. Um, but in terms of what he brings to the table, it's basically a pick for them to, you know, Brandon Staley wants to run that too, too high shell defense um, and allows them to play Derwin James in the box more and have two high safeties. Um, I mean, JT Woods is a four, a sub four for three, five guy. I think he was what, a four, three, five, four, three, six, maybe at the combine. Um, really fast, really rangy, really good ball production. He led the, led the, the nation in interceptions in 2021 with, uh, I think it was six, I believe. Um, so ball productive at Baylor, always around the football. Um, decent tackler in terms of coming up against the receiver. Not a great open field tackler in space when he kind of gets a guy in front of him, but um, downhill pretty physical at the catch point. So I like that a lot. Uh, and then round four, take a guy who Brett and I have talked about on the pod a little bit before, uh, Isaiah Spiller, a guy who Brett and I played against in high school in, in a game, a playoff game. Uh, really like Isaiah Spiller's game. Again, I thought it was maybe early for a running back for them. I thought they could have maybe taken one in round five and gotten Jerome Ford. But nevertheless, I mean, I think it's decent value there. I think he's was a lot of people's RB3. Um, probably should have been a third or second or third rounder, according to kind of the consensus. So I like the way he runs. I think he's a good compliment to Eckler. I think there's a lot of – there's some Chargers fans out there who don't like the pick. I think he's a really good compliment for – but Austin Eckler brings to the table. I mean, he, he catches the ball pretty well to the backfield. I, I actually had no idea he was that good of a, a receiving back until I looked at the stats after the fact. Um, really, really high-level uh, receiver out of the backfield, which shocked me. Um, made me like to pick a lot. But really physical downhill runner. Um, guy who's going to break a couple tackles, be really physical. Not a not a deep speed guy, not a home run hitter per se, but um, definitely going to break a couple tackles at the first level and get to that second and third level of the defense um, with physicality, which I like a lot. I think he's a really good short yardage back for us. And then in their fifth round, they took Otito. I believe it's Ogbania out of uh, – he's a defensive tackle out of UCLA, a guy who they really like in pass pro, or I guess in pass rush, rather. Um, 
he had some really competitive reps against guys like Zion Johnson and uh, gosh, I think he had a couple good reps against uh, Dylan Parham, Jamari Sawyer, guys at the Pro Bowl. Um, he had really good reps against those guys. Tyler Smith, I think, being one of them as well. So uh, competitive at the Pro Bowl, good in pass rush. Uh, pretty pretty big guy. He's probably going to play nose tackle for him as a backup. Maybe came in on some third down situations when I have him at nose tackle rushing. Um, really like that pick a lot, though. He's a solid player, solid rusher, um, good depth there at D-line, which they needed. And then the sixth round at pick 195, maybe my favorite pick of the draft, um, just in terms of the great value they got there with Jamari Sawyer, the offensive lineman from Georgia. He played some left tackle for him. He shut down Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo in the Michigan game at left tackle. Don't know if he's a tackle in the NFL. I think he's going to project as a guard better. Um, it sounds like the Chargers will give him a shot at guard uh, or a tackle this year. I, I would assume he gets a, start, a shot at guard. Um, you know, ideally, they'd let, they'd let him play. Him and Brendan Hymas compete for that uh, right guard or left guard spot. Let Zion pick the other one and then uh, have Matt Filer, Matt Filer play right tackle. But um, nevertheless, Jamari Sawyer offers some depth on the O-line. Um, if anything, he has a backup guard with brother Brendan Hymas. And you've got two really solid backups there for uh, Matt Filer and Zion Johnson at the guard position. Uh, and then their next pick, uh, round six, 200, pick 214. They picked Jasir Taylor, defensive back, uh, corner slash safety. I think he played more corner at Wake Forest, but uh, could play safety in the NFL. Uh, Jasir Taylor, guy that I liked. I mean, team captain there. He offers some return value, which I think is why he went here. Um, you know, I mean, listen, I'm not going to give too much analysis on these, on these next three guys because – um, outside of Jamari Sawyer, I, I, I and, and uh, I really hadn't heard much of these sixth round picks that we got that went got that that got taken rather um, or that went in the sixth and seventh round. So um, all I know is Jasir Taylor, team captain, uh, clearly a good locker room guy, uh, brings some versatility in the back end, and in the return game he ran sub four four, so I like that speed. Uh, clearly the Chargers looking for some long speed guys here late, so I like that pick in terms of just value. Um, you know, you're throwing darts at the dartboard, so I like what they did there with process wise. Uh, and then the seventh round at pick 236, they take Dean, Dean Leonard corner out of Ole Miss. He's kind of got a weird spelling. I kind of had to pause there in his name. Uh, looks like 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 D like Deanne or something like that, but it's Dean. He's just kind of E on the end. It's kind of weird. But um, again, fast guy, sub four four corner at Ole Miss. Um, pretty physical. I watched some of his highlights and some of his tape. Uh, pretty physical. Um, you know, again, darts, darts at a dartboard looking for traits here. They get a guy that they like, probably going to be a special teamer, which is your Taylor right out the gate. Uh, I guess to touch back on this with JT was, I think he's probably a core special teamer. His first year, for sure, probably lights it up there as a, another sub-4-4 four, four guy. But uh, And then with their last pick, it's 260 in the seventh round. Uh, it took fullback out of, out of Purdue, Xander Horvath, a guy who played some running back for him. I was he was described to me, and I can't remember who said this. He was basically Mike Allstop for, for Purdue. He was basically a fullback playing running back. Um, he's good in space for the most part, from what I've seen from him. Uh, gonna come in and compete with Gabe Neighbors for that fullback spot. So I, I like the pick there. Um, maybe would have rather gotten another like a receiver here, but again, if you feel like you can't get him in free agency, fine, take the fullback at the competition there. Um, I think I, I guess my theme here was. And I was really frustrated throughout the night on, I guess, I guess, especially around or night two and, and early in, in day three was I felt like there were some players that they could have taken at 79 and, and 123 um, that went literally the pick before, uh, like in round, like in round four, I think that uh, they would have taken Zamir white out of Georgia. Had he been there at 123, but he got picked at 122 by the Raiders getting jumping us and getting him. Uh, and then the Ravens took a guy in the third round that I thought we could have taken at 79 and then, uh, the Seahawks also took a guy who we'll talk about later. Uh, they took him at 72, and I thought we could have taken him at 79. So I was kind of frustrated going into some of these picks. Uh, 
Wish would have gotten a speed receiver, maybe just another receiver, but they got a bunch in in, uh, in UDFA markets, so not too upset there. But um, overall, pretty decent haul. I think they have an average draft grade for me. They're probably stacking up, probably about average. Probably um, I'd probably give us the B, give us a B. Uh, so most of the league probably gets around a B. Some A's, some C's, some D's, some F's, maybe. Um, talk about those guys, winners and losers later. But um, overall, decent draft for the Chargers. I, I like their, their top end picks though for sure. Yeah, I thought it was a really solid haul for the Chargers. I mean, they had eight picks, really three notable picks, uh, and I thought they went in the right directions with the guys that were on the board there. And Sawyer in the six is really, really good value for him as a guy could who could potentially be a starter. Um, but I'm going to shift to my team. The Ravens had a pretty good haul. I'm going to go a little bit quicker because we had 11 picks, uh, including six fourth-rounders. I didn't think they would – take all six. I thought they would trade some maybe, but they ended up drafting all six. Um, so we had 11 guys and it started out at 14 overall with Kyle Hamilton, uh, safety out of Notre Dame, a guy that I didn't think would be there. I thought he was definitely going to be gone by 10 or so. Um, but there was a run on receivers, you know, three straight teams traded up in front of us, uh, four straight teams, three trades were for receivers. And then the Eagles jumped us. I'll talk about them a little later. Um, and took Jordan Davis. So Kyle Hamilton and Jermaine Johnson were on the board for the Ravens. And I was ecstatic. I was like, got to be one of these two. If it's not, I'm going to be really upset. And it was Kyle Hamilton who was the, easily the best option there. Uh, he should come in day one, start playing in the box, probably more so than up high because we have Marcus Williams. Uh, but then we traded Marquise Brown to the Arizona Cardinals for a pick 23. And we also gave them pick 100. So it netted out to like the 28th overall pick, which is good value um, for a guy that we drafted at 25 three years ago. So we got a three-year rental basically um, of Marquise. And then at 23, we traded back a couple spots with the Bills who jumped up to take Kair Elam. And we got Tyler Linderbaum. Um, as soon as we traded with the Cardinals and we were on the clock at 23, I knew Linderbaum had to be the pick. It didn't really take much. Based off what GM Eric DaCosta said this offseason, it basically aligned perfectly to where they wanted Tyler Linderbaum. You know, what they said was exactly opposite of what Tyler Linderbaum was and what he brings to the offense. Day one, plug-and-play center. Um, I think his floor is a five-year starter for us. His ceiling is perennial pro bowler. So a really good pick and a really good night one for the Ravens with Hamilton and Linderbaum. Shift to day two, which was incredible too, uh, in my opinion, at 45 with the Ravens' own second-round pick. They took David Ojabo, the edge rusher out of Michigan, who tore his Achilles at his pro day on March 18th. Um, so, you know, you give him six months, seven months, and he should be good to go, which is about week six or seven. Um, ease him in, maybe on obvious passing downs, third and long situations, kind of get him acclimated. Uh, but it's nice when you're injured and you're – the only reps you're taking are mental reps. Uh, he already knows the system because he played it last year at Michigan as Michigan's defensive coordinator is now the Ravens' defensive coordinator. So that's a big boost uh, for him and kind of helping him in the process of recovery and getting back to 100%. Uh, but I really love that pick a lot. You know, he would have been a top 15 pick probably had he not torn his Achilles. And then round three, 76th overall pick, the Ravens got the defensive tackle out of UConn, Travis Jones. I know we both really liked him a lot. Um, I was kind of upset that we didn't take Jordan Davis, but, I mean, obviously I would rather have Hamilton or Jermaine Johnson. But I think we filled 
the same spot Jordan Davis would have filled pretty much. Travis Jones is maybe a little worse run blocker and a little better pass rusher uh, just based off stats. But he should come in day one, you know, compete for that nose, kind of that one three tech spot. But a really good pickup. And nonetheless, it's just depth along the D line, which the Ravens need. So a couple of front seven guys there on day two, I really liked. Um, as we get into the six fourth round picks, it started off at 110. Getting Daniel Falele, who was mocked as high as the mid-second round at one point. Um, poor measurables and athletic profile kind of dropped him. Um, he was in the Big Ten at Minnesota, so it's not like he was, you know, he was still playing power five ball. Really solid guy. His playing weight could be up to near 400, 6'8", 380 currently. Um, similar to Orlando Brown, the Ravens took in 2018. You know, he had a poor combine and stuff and really – did everything but help his stock in the offseason before the draft. Ravens take him at 80, and he's an all-pro, and now he's on the Chiefs. Um, so Daniel Falele could definitely come in. Developmental right tackle is his fit in Baltimore. Um, with signing Morgan Moses, having Pat McCary back, they have a lot of options, which is always awesome uh, for an offensive line. And I think it's the most the deepest the offensive line has been in the last you know 10 years probably. Then at 119, uh, I was a little confused at the time on the pick. Uh, I thought we were going to go DB, but the Seahawks took Kobe Bryant, a pick before us, um, when we took Daniel Falele. So nine picks later, we had to we addressed the corner position and took Jalen Armour Davis out of Alabama. Uh, Chris Sims had him as his corner three in this draft, which is kind of crazy. Um, but I really like Armour Davis. You know, I've seen some clips from him. I didn't really know much of him before the draft. I'm really excited about the pick. He fills that Anthony Averett role, kind of like first man off the bench uh, for that corner room and could definitely play in the slot, although I think another fourth-round pick will be a starter in slot when it's all said and done. So Jalen R. Davis, um, similar play style to Marcus Peters. I think, you know, if Marcus Peters were to move on after the season, which is the last on his contract, Armour Davis comes in and starts across from Marlin. Um, but then at 130 or 128, sorry, uh, tight end Charlie Kohler out of Iowa State was the pick. I really liked this pick a lot. I knew we were going to take a tight end at some point. Um, and Kohler's a really good pass catcher. Um, he he's, in his interview, he said he prides himself on his downfield blocking ability. Um, I wouldn't want to see too much of him as an inline tight end, but you know, in the slot, kind of working him out wide. I think I really like the Ravens' approach to this draft. While they didn't end up taking a receiver and they lose Marquise Brown and cut Miles Boykin. A wide receiver is definitely really the only need on the team right now. So I think they'll address that, but I like the Charlie Kohler pick. I think he'll be more of a wide receiver than a tight end for the Ravens as they still have Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle. And then at 130, a couple of picks later, they drafted the punter Jordan Stout, the first punter off the board in the draft. Found out a lot of teams ended up having him as punter number one in this class, while Matt Areza quote, punt God, was gaining all the hype for, you know, obvious reasons. But Jordan Stout is more of a finesse punter. He led the FBS in touchback percentage inside 20 and inside 10, which is what you look for in a punter, you know. Um, you don't want a guy that can boot 80 yards because that means your drive stalled in your own red zone. Um, you know, Jordan Stout's a guy that can learn from Sam Cook while they're in camp. I think they're going to cut Sam Cook, sadly. He's 40 years old. I don't know if he retires. He definitely has a lot of good balls left in him. Uh, but he's a, he's a good finesse 
punter that can, you know, pin it inside the 10. He's got a lot of – he orchestrates these different punts. You know, he's got knuckleballs, and he really took the punting game to a next level. Uh, Cunningham saves 2 mil. Jordan Stout's contract to be about 880. So they save 1.2 mil uh, net-wise in the cap. So I definitely think that was a smart move. You know, your punter for the next 10, 15 years is always a great pick. While it, it was a fourth-round pick at the end of the day, you know, you never, what you, get, you never know what you're getting out of these fourth-round guys. So – Jordan Stout was a good pick in hindsight. Um, glad we made the pick, and I'm glad the Ravens got their punter of choice there in the fourth, especially with six picks. Nine picks later, at 139, the Ravens selected another tight end in Isaiah Likely. Uh, he was, you know, a top three tight end for me back when we did our offensive player rankings a few weeks ago. I really like this pick. You know, he was a really good route runner and downfield uh, kind of separation guy found the soft spots and defenses. I think he's going to learn a lot from Mark Andrews. They profile very similarly, I believe. And I think in this offense, you know, we've taken two tight ends. Neither of them are that big of blockers. Uh, I think we're going to run a lot of 12, 13, 22 personnel. Uh, just get back to our 2019 ways and where we went 14 and two. I think that was a big reason. Uh, we didn't really have any receivers in 2019, notably. Uh, Marquise Brown's rookie year, he had 580 yards. So. You know, it definitely works for the Ravens. Um, I don't know exactly what way they're going to go. You know, we obviously still have a good bit of offseason left. Uh, rookie minicamp starting in the next few weeks. But I like the way they went um, in the draft. And then their last fourth-round pick, they took Demarion Williams, a corner out of Houston. He played opposite Marcus Jones there. And I think he'll come in and be the slot corner for the Ravens, uh, replace Tavon Young. Very similar guys. Um Demarion Williams is a little bit bigger than Tavon, which is nice. Uh, just gives him a little bit more versatility on the back half of that defense, which is always nice, especially for uh, Mike McDonald's defense that he wants to run. Versatility is key. So I like the direction the Ravens went defensively. And then they rounded out their draft in the sixth round at pick 196 with a running back. Uh, I knew they would take a running back at some point. Didn't think it'd be the last pick of the draft for them. Uh, but Tyler Beatty out of Missouri, I didn't realize till after I was kind of questioning the pick at the time, but he was second team AP all American this past year and he was first team all sec. Um, so serious accolades there in a very competitive conference. Um, but, you know, he had 2000 all purpose yards for Missouri last year and he should come in and be the running back three. Uh, he specializes in pass catching kind of a do it all guy, but I think he's the pass catcher the Ravens are looking for in that backfield. Uh, Gus is kind of the bruiser, downhill guy. JK is kind of do-it-all. Beatty's kind of a do-it-all, but more focused in the pass-catching game. Um, so a solid group of running backs there for the Ravens. Uh, remains to be seen what they're going to do with Justice Hill, who was a fourth-year running back. Uh, he was out all year last year with the torn ACL. We'll figure out. Um, overall, I really, really liked the Ravens draft. 11 picks. I thought they killed it pretty much every pick. Uh, it was mentioned that they were going to take a couple guys that were drafted right before them, so they had to kind of alter the plan, and I think they did it beautifully. Uh, looking back on it, I don't know what more I would have done in terms of taking guys or the guys they took. I think it was a blessing in disguise that there was a receiver run before they picked 14. Getting a guy like Kyle Hamilton is just incredible, especially for their defense, kind of the direction they want to go. Um, but, yeah, overall, like I said, on offense, I think they're going to go back to the heavy personnel, 12, 13, 22. Uh, 
definitely see that happening probably figure out pretty soon if that's for sure or not but overall we just gave y'all each of our hauls and now we're going to get into winners and losers we kind of each had two teams where we said okay they did a really good job with kind of the picks they had and movement and then we had two teams that were all right what were these guys doing what were they thinking um so Brady's going to get into it with his first winner here, and then we'll kind of alternate throughout. Yeah, I'll, I'll piggyback off what you said and the Ravens hall. Um, I, I thought the Ravens were the second biggest winners of the draft um, behind the team that I'm going to talk about here at the Jets. Um, but A-plus a hall for the Ravens, um, they got better in a lot of ways. And it seems like every year, it's like the clip of Jesse from uh, Breaking Bad, where it's like they can't keep getting away with it. That's the Ravens with Kyle Hamilton at 14, Leonard Bob at 25, and – and Ojabo at 45. It's like Travis Jones, I get falling a little bit because he's a D tackle, but like Ojabo, Linderbaum, and Hamilton. It's like, how do how does the NFL keep allowing them to get just great players at great value in the draft? So um, but yeah, great, great haul for the for the Ravens. Only team I thought had a better haul with this was the Jets. And it's really because when you can get CB one and, and wide receiver one as the second receiver second receiver in corner taken off the board. I think you're winning immediately. Um, so they, they get they get a mod sauce Gardner at four. Uh, second corner off the board is Derek Singley Jr. Went at three to the Texans. Um, you know, I thought it's also CB1. He's a great player, really good pick. He immediately slides in there and is immediately CB1 for that team in a role that Robert Sala's defense uh, needs, I think. You know, they, they were at their best in, in, Seattle, in San Francisco and they had a lot of really good corners there. Not necessarily a dominant CB1, but a, a really good room of corners. Um and then Garrett Wilson at 10 was my wide receiver one. I think he was the best separator in the class, the best natural receiver in the class. Um, you know, when you can get that guy to pair with, with Zach Wilson, then Garrett Wilson can run the can first of all beat guys deep. Second of all, he, he's a guy who's gonna get open deep, which is huge for Zach Wilson. So really love those two picks. And then I think the single best value pick in the draft was Jermaine Johnson at 26. Um, a guy they considered at 10. A guy who I was a top ten player for me in the draft on my board overall. I know we didn't really get those in the pod, but a guy who was going to be my one of my top ten players on, on the board. Um, they get him at twenty six, and, and one of my favorite team fits for a player. He gets to go learn from Robert Solomon. I mean, you look at the defensive ends and defensive linemen that Robert Sala's coached, and you know Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner. Um, I mean that's just that's just kind of the top three. They've had so much talent there that. Um, you know, him getting to learn from those guys is really huge for him. And, again, a guy who they could have picked at 10. They reportedly wanted to move up. They called from every every team from 26 all the way up to 14. No one wanted to get up from 14 down. Um, if you look at it, it kind of makes sense. that no. I mean, the only team I could see from 14 to 26 that would have taken an edge was going to be the Texans, and they took a guard at 15. So, um you know, that was really, I mean, I didn't think you guys would take one, didn't think we would take one. Uh, 16 wouldn't take one. Um, so uh, overall, I think Jermaine Johnson 26, great, but like I said, best value pick in the draft. And then they move up to get Brees Hall in the second round. They, they traded up, uh, I want to say it was, and they gave up a fifth to move up and get him. So, um, you know, yeah, that was their RB1. And, and as a guy who I had his RB1B behind Kenneth Walker's RB1A. Other guy who went pretty pretty soon after the second round, but uh, I, I like Brees Hall a lot for that offense. Um, the better pass catcher of the two backs, and I think that's what the Jets need. The Jets didn't need like a workhorse every down back. That's what I thought Kenneth Walker was. They needed Brees Hall, so he fit them a lot better than than than, Hall, than Walker did. Um, their O line's already pretty solid, so I think filling the filling in the skill positions around Zach Wilson was was the best kind of course of action. And 
they certainly did it with their first, you know, two of their first four picks. Um, and they do it again at 101 in the third round. They, they, they lost their third round pick going up to get Jermaine Johnson. But uh, I guess with their rather their compensatory third round pick, they get Jeremy Ruckert at 101, a great value in my opinion. He was pretty high on my tight end board. I was a big fan of him after the catch uh, at Ohio State. Again, there are so many, so many receivers at Ohio State that he, he just – pardon me, the target share just really wasn't there for him. So uh, I'm a big fan of that get for them. I think he's probably tight end one from the get. I don't know if they, I can't remember if they signed anybody in the off season, but uh, he should be competing for tight end one role as soon as he gets there. Um, a tight ends are a quarterback's best friend, especially a young quarterback. So getting, getting a, a tight end like Jeremy, Jeremy Ruckert is huge for Zach Wilson's development, I think. And then uh, Max Mitchell in round four, they took their last pick in the fourth round. I won't get into the other picks because not guys know a lot about, but Max Mitchell in the fourth round was a huge pick in terms of value. I think a guy who I thought was a second or third rounder. Um, I really like really like him as a tackle. I think he had a really good tackle for him at, at Louisiana Lafayette. Um, just a, a quality player. I, he needs to work on his playing weight a little bit, but you know could slide to guard for him if they want him to. But he ultimately is going to be a backup swing tackle for a couple of years. Um, a guy who could step into a starting role in a year or two and be a solid starter for them. So really, really like the pick there in Max Mitchell. And I just thought they had a really good draft overall. Um, again, you address the defense with corner and edge, two guys that I had ranked top 10, and then you get wide receiver one, uh, running back one, and, and a top five tight end. So um, they did right by Zach Wilson in this draft by getting him the weapons. They did right by that defense to get him a, a top a top end corner, top end edge rusher. Um, you know, if the Jets can stay healthy, they'll make some noise. They'll be a sneaky team to upset some teams. They won't be a playoff team in the AFC yet. But looking for the Jets in like four years, five, three, four years, they could be legit with that talent on that team. So um, I just thought the Jets had the best the best draft in, in the NFL and uh, hard to go wrong with with, with, with four and ten. But, again, they made the right pick there, which is important. So love their haul. Yeah, and no, I agree. The Jets hit it out of the park with this, this one and uh... – I think them, the Ravens, and the Eagles, who I'm about to talk about, are the three, you know, big A's for me. Uh, they traded from 15 to 13. They jumped the Ravens and took the defensive tackle out of Georgia, Jordan Davis. I thought uh, that was the right pick for them. You know, they could have gone a couple of different ways, but the way their team is right now, I think it was the pick that had to be made. And him, he should learn from Fletcher, Fletcher Cox um, for the year that Cox is on that team before he retires. Uh and then they traded their 18th and 101st overall picks to the Titans for A.J. Brown, who immediately signed a four-year, $100 million deal that will start after the 2022 season. So he is under contract for the Eagles for five more seasons. There's a potential out after the 2024 season. Uh, I don't see them taking that out. A really good pick for them, or a really good trade for them, though. Uh, they killed night one, you know, Jordan Davis, A.J. Brown, to, I mean, we already know what A.J. Brown is about, but Jordan Davis should be, you know, a really safe pick, come in, be a great pro for the Eagles in the middle of that front seven. Uh, and then at 56, they took Cam Jurgens, a uh, guy in Nebraska who should be center after Jason Kelsey retires. Another pick that can learn from, you know, the guy ahead of him on the chart. Jurgens should start at guard this year and then will be the center of the future for the Eagles. I really liked him a lot. I think he's the second-best center in the draft. And then to kind of round out the Eagles' impressive haul, especially in terms of value, uh, they took N'Kobe Dean at 83. You know, a guy that has a shoulder, a pec, uh, ankle issue, I believe. So, you know, long list of 
injury concerns, and which is the reason he was picked 83. Uh, he was projected to be first rounder, top 40 pick. And here he was at 83 for the Eagles, and they had to jump on it, kind of have a spot at linebacker to fill. Um, liked the value a lot for them. It should pan out. Uh, they plan on him being good to go, come OTAs, come training camp. Uh, so we'll see how that pans out for him. But I really like the pick, overall value. They had a couple more picks. Um, but these these four pickups, you know, Jordan Davis, the trade for A.J. Brown, Cam Jurgens, and Kobe Dean were the kind of the four big ones for me. And I really – that was pretty incredible looking back on it, that they were able to get all that. Yeah, I like their haul a lot. Like you said, getting A.J. Brown on, on night one on a trade is, is huge. And getting Jordan Davis, the guy who's going to step in immediately and be a super high-level player for them is um, – you, know, you can't go wrong there. So, uh, Nicobe Dean, great value at 83. And Jurgens, the guy who slipped on at 56, I like to pick a lot there, uh, get the center of the future. And then my next winner is actually surprisingly – a lot of teams didn't like – a lot of people didn't like their draft, but I liked it a lot. It was the Green Bay Packers. Um you know, they picked Quay Walker at 22. I thought it was an overdraft, and, and that's what they do. But here's the thing. I mean, we got a report kind of on Tuesday afternoon, evening, that, that the NFL thought Quay Walker was linebacker one, and that held true on, on draft night. So I'm, I'm not going to not gonna knock NFL GMs for thinking that. There's a, clearly a reason they thought that. Um, and I'm not going to be the Twitter GM that, that throws rocks from, you know, at NFL GM's windows because they took a guy who they thought was RB linebacker one. So um, I, I get the concerns with Devin Lloyd. So I understand why they went quick Walker over him. Uh, not what I would have done, but again, the NFL felt that way. So I'm going to, I'm going to trust the NFL on that. Um, they needed a linebacker really bad. So to go next to Devontae Campbell. So that's a good pick in terms of need. Um, Devontae wide at 28, another Georgia bulldog pro ready guy steps in day one and plays and starts uh, probably an every down player for the most part, a defensive tackle, um, really good pass rush. Uh, it's, it's a good value at 28 as well. I thought he was probably better than 28th overall pick. So uh, I like the value there a lot. Again, he starts, comes in day one and plays uh, the gripe about the Packers. They didn't get a receiver in round one. And, and what did they do on, on, on night two? They immediately, as the draft kicks off on round on night two uh, at the 34th overall pick, the second pick of the second round, they trade up and get Christian Watson. They only gave, they give up. I mean, they paid a premium to go up and get him. Uh, they gave up two late seconds for a high second. So uh, they net out about they, – they lost about an extra third-round pick but in value. But, again, it works out for them. Um, I thought Christian Watson was the best receiver left for that offense. So I think, you know, he again, he comes in right away. He might even be wide receiver one from the jump. Uh, a guy who needs some development when you're playing with Aaron Rodgers, you're going to be okay. Um, really good player, I thought. I like him more than most. I think he, I like him as a return man as well. So dynamic ball carrier, big receiver. Uh, exactly what Aaron Rodgers needed. Uh, like Sean Ryan at, at, in the third round at 92, uh, a versatile guy, get their best five on the field with him. So, uh, and that was kind of a theme with a couple of the other picks, uh, Zach Tom in the fourth and Rasheed Walker in the seventh. A couple of guys that are pretty versatile, uh, both tackles in, in, in college, but could both be guard at the next level. Um, Rasheed Walker's pretty good value in the seventh. And then they got great value in Kingsley Agbari, the edge rusher out of South Carolina in the fifth. Um, great value. I still don't really know why he fell, to be honest with you. I thought he should have been a third, second or third round pick at the, at the lowest in the third. Um, so him going in round five is great value. Should be a really good edge piece uh, for that room and and uh, room, to, room to grow and develop in that room. So uh, solid, solid draft. Uh, I guess the instant reaction was that they overdrafted with Quay Walker, but I really like the picks that they made after that. And again, if Quay Walker's LB one, you take LB one at twenty two. They needed one bad. So overall, I really like the haul for the Packers. Yeah, and no, I agree. I did really like that. The all those pickups that they had, 
uh, with the picks, you know, trading up to get Christian Watson was a really good choice, kind of satisfying Aaron Rodgers' needs. Um, so they should be good this upcoming year. Uh, again, kind of similar to the Ravens just in the NFC in terms of always being competitive. Um, my other winner was the Seattle Seahawks. I know each of us did two winners. We all thought those four teams were winners, just kind of split the duties on it, covering them. Uh, Seahawks, you know, got the ninth pick. They took Charles Cross, great pickup, good value about where we thought he would go. Third tackle off the board as expected. Um, one of the most predicted picks probably if I had to guess outside of the top five. Um, just a really solid pickup for them. It's funny that they started dressing offensive line after Russell Wilson leaves. Um, but then they kicked off early in the second round with back-to-back -back picks. I thought they nailed both of them. Boye Mafe at 40 was a guy that could have gone in the first. Ed Rusher out of Minnesota. Kenneth Walker at 41. Some people had him as RB1 um, out of Michigan State. Two guys that should come in day one. And through the first 41 picks, they have three day one starters that should help that team uh, instantly. And then as we kind of head to the third round here, you got Abe Lucas. I know a guy you really wanted, offensive tackle, should play opposite cross. Um, I don't know what their interior offensive line plan is, but I guess we'll see here in the few, next few weeks as they kind of iron out their roster before camp starts. And then the pick before the Ravens, they took Kobe Bryant at 109, which was a little frustrating. Um, I really liked him a lot out of Cincinnati. He should start on that defense at corner for him. Uh, and then they double-dipped at corner with their next pick at 153. They took Tariq Woolen, uh, really good value here. Thought he could have gone in the third. He ends up going here at 153. Um, and I just think, you know, having two young corners is beneficial to that defense being, you know, rebuilding and kind of want to get some young blood in there, uh, give that defense some juice. So I think, you know, between Boya Mafe, Kobe Bryant, Tariq Warren, and the guy they took at 158, Tyreek Smith, you know, that's two edges and two corners who – should come in and be pretty impactful day one. Um, maybe they won't all start. Nonetheless, be rotational guys, though, and I think that's really beneficial to a team that's kind of in the rebuilding phase. Um, and to round out their draft, they had a couple wide receivers in the seventh round. You know, Bo Melton at 229 is really good value. He was a productive wide receiver in the Big Ten. He ran a 4-3-4. Um, but I guess, you know, he'll be that wide receiver three. As of now, they got to feel pretty confident in – re-signing DK if they waited till the seventh to address the receiver position. So it's looking good for him. Um, the planet quarterback is still not set, uh, but it looks like Drew Locke is the guy as of now. And I guess we'll see pretty soon kind of their plan for that roster. But if I'm a Seahawks fan, I'm excited for the future. But yeah, those were our four winners. Uh, I think those four teams really knocked it out of the park with the draft. And it'll be interesting to see how those depth charts pan out with all the good picks that they made. We're going to head into the losers now. We each had a couple, just like the winners. I'm going to alternate through. Uh, you want to get us kicked off? Yeah, for sure. Um, and the thing with losers is it's 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 all going to be perspective, and we say this now and it could all change. But um, team that I thought was a big loser, um, and this is kind of the more obvious one, I guess, from night one, is is the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they start off night one at 24 and take Tyler Smith, who I thought was a huge reach. Um, you know, if you want an interior offensive lineman, take Linderbaum before the Ravens do at 25. I I don't know if they view him as a tackle or not. Um, it sounds like they might. 
if that's the case, I thought there was other guys on the board they could have taken to play left tackle. But um, nevertheless, they like the traits a lot. They said he was ranked higher than Zion Johnson and Kenyon Green. And I think if that's the case, they are insane and they are just absolutely absurd for thinking in that. But if that's the thought process, that's the thought process. I'm not going to knock him too hard, but I really did not like Tyrus Smith at 24, that there was plenty of other players to get. Uh, in terms of on the board that they could fill needs with, um, namely being Jermaine Johnson and Edge. And at 56 in the second round, they took an Edge and Sam Williams out of Ole Miss and uh, another massive reach, in my opinion. There's just better players on the board. Again, if they want to take an Edge, take Drake Jackson and get a better player, a, a guy with a higher ceiling. Um, I know Sam Williams is a first-team All-SEC guy, but just the athletic profile is not really there for me. Um doesn't really fit the bill for an NFL edge rusher. Just, again, a confusing pick. Not not great. Um, Jalen Tolbert in round three. I don't hate it as much as the other two, but I don't love it either. There's better receivers on the board. If, if I had to put something on it, I, guess, I mean, it's mid. Like, the pick's just kind of mid. Um, it's about as average as it gets there. It's not really not very good. It's not terrible, but it's not great. Um, again, better, better wideouts on the board, in my opinion, there. than Jalen Tolbert, a guy who's out of South Alabama who's – Gonna have to play basically jump two skill levels. Um, go from a small G5 to a, a, a power five to now going to the pro. So, two skill jumps isn't great for him. Um, again, Jake Ferguson in round four, tight end. I didn't love it there. There's a couple guys on the board that I would have taken, namely Isaiah Likely. Uh, I'm not gonna try and pronounce the guy's name with the tight end in Maryland. That uh, uh, Brett kind of put me on to him. He's pretty solid. If you, I don't know if you know how to say his name, it's like Chigozi McConquo. Yeah, I'm not gonna try that. Um, Something like that. He he's a really good he's a really good player though. Um, I thought he was better than Jake Ferguson. So there's better tight ends on the board there as well. Um, and then Damon Clark in round five was pretty solid. Again, most of these picks later are gonna be darts to the dartboards. So I'm not gonna critique him at all. But uh, Damon Clark was good value in the fifth. But if your best value pick is coming in the fifth round, you're doing it wrong. You've lost the draft. So um, not my not my biggest loser in terms of, of, of worst draft, but um, you'll probably hit on the team, the guys that we thought had the worst draft. But um, again, we kind of we that's I don't know foreign split duties between them, but um, definitely a Cowboys are definitely a loser of the draft for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, didn't really make sense. Their first few picks. And I did like the Damone Clark pick as well, though. Uh, I think he'll pan out for him in the long run. Uh, but I get my first loser in the New England Patriots. Uh, Bill Belichick as the GM is not ideal for the Patriots franchise. Um, Cole Strange at 29 is insane. A Tennessee Chattanooga guy who will be center for him. He was going to be a third-round projection. I didn't really get that pick at all at 29, kind of the shocker of the first round. With their second-round pick, they go Tyquan Thornton, the wide receiver out of Baylor. I thought he was going to be in the fourth round. Um, I don't care if he runs a 4-1. I'm not taking him in the second round. Uh, just doesn't have all the intangibles to be a successful guy at the next level. I mean, obviously, he'd be a good depth guy being that fast, um, but not to be your best receiver, and that's pretty much what he would be in New England. So a little confusing there for me, those first two picks. Uh, 85, they did a little bit better. Marcus Jones corner out of Houston was a great pick. He was the most electric return man in college football last year. So I think he'll have those duties for him. Also playing corners. They lost some corners, you know, pretty recently kind of bare in the corner room currently, Uh, but too many poor remaining picks for me to go into individually. I think they had six more, but one that I did like was Bailey Zappi at 137. 
about where I expected him to go. Uh, he'll probably be a career backup unless, you know, he pulls a Tom Brady. I don't see him really being a starter in the league. Uh, he could get, be a good, you know, fill, fill in starter for injury or something. But, you know, under Mac, Jones is a perfect fit, very similar play style uh, and a good system for him. So, you know, Patriots had many confusing picks. And when your first two are the most confusing and massive reaches similar to what you're talking about with the Cowboys, it's just a little confusing, um, but definitely a loser. Yeah, I think – and the biggest thing with winners and losers, I think it, it all comes down to, like, the, your first two to three rounds has to be, you know, that those are going to get your starters. And I think, great, you can you can make great, you know, day three picks, but oftentimes we're not going to say you're a winner or a loser based off those picks because it's a lot of projection. Like, in darts of the dart board, when you get into the sixth and seventh round, even the fifths. But, uh, yeah, Cole Strange at 29, uh, huge reach. Again, a third or fourth-round player. Again, another guy who has to jump basically two play levels. Um and Tyquan Thornton, again, a, a guy who played at Baylor but wasn't wide receiver one for them, ran fast, great, but he's not a second. He's a fourth or fifth-round receiver. So, um, yeah, those two picks were absolutely shocking to me. Why you take a receiver who runs a 4-2-6 like when you have Mac Jones at quarterback doesn't make sense to me either. Mac Jones doesn't throw the deep ball. He's not known for throwing the deep ball. He's known for being a guy who – is a really good game manager and that's all he needs to be, which is fine. But like, what are we doing giving him a receiver who runs a four, two, six, he ain't going to be, I can be able to, to use him as he should be used. So not a great pick there in my opinion, but um, I'll go to my next, my next loser, um, a team whose hall looks good off, off the surface. When you just look at the players they drafted, potentially when you look at where they were drafted though, I'm not sure if I love them. So, um, you know, they take Chris Olave, they move up and get Chris Olave at 11 from, they move from 16 to 11 and they give up their third and fourth round picks. They, they immediately lose two picks off the bat there. Again, they have to take a receiver. I that's fine. You take Chris Olave over Jameson Williams, which I don't like. And again, I don't love Olave. At, I like, I like Chris Olave on the saints. I don't love him at 11 though. That's the problem for me. Um, I think it's a reach at 11. I thought James Williams is better than him, but I get that's how they feel. They don't take a lobby at 11. That's fine. I just thought it was a, again, I like the, the player fit. I just don't love the value at all at 11. It was rich for me. There's Kyle Hamilton, Jordan Davis, Jermaine Johnson, other players on the board, um, other James Williams, other than Chris Olave. So I uh, don't love the value there at all. They then go my opposite, my least favorite player in the draft mainly because he got so much media hype for being a not very good left tackle. It was Trevor Penning at 19. Thank God the Chargers didn't take him at 17. It would have ruined my night. I think I spent more time stressing about the Chargers not taking him than like enjoying the picks that happened. But nevertheless, they, the Saints pick him at 19, and I guess he's going to start from day one at left tackle, but um, I'll pray for James Williams' you know, ACL, James Winston's ACLs, because he might tear them both because Trevor Penning – might throw a player into him like he did with Desmond Ritter and almost tear his ACL. So um, not a day one starter. They pick him at 19, which is terrible. It's a big projection, and I don't I don't like picking players who are massive projections outside of the quarterback position in the first round. I don't like it. I think it's bad. The first of all pick wasn't great either for that matter. But, um, yeah, penning at 19 is bad, really bad. I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback, but – um, it's not really planned out, but he's not going to have a good tackle behind him. So 
Um, but yeah, no, no quarterback plan outside of Jameis, hoping he figures it out, I guess. Didn't love that. Had a couple opportunities to take a quarterback in the fifth, maybe. I think Sam Howell was there for him, I think, in the fifth. So could have gone that direction. But again, when you move, you know, when you when you give up your third and fourth, you'll get Chris Olave at 11. You're not going to be able to get a quarterback there. Um, and then the second round, they could have taken a quarterback. They don't. They go with Alante Taylor, who, again, I like the player. I just don't love the, the value for it at 49. I thought it was early um, for him, at least at 49, maybe a little bit later. But um, again, like the player, don't love the value. Uh, Demario Davis and Pete Warner on the roster yet. They took a linebacker in the fifth with their next, with their, you know, fourth pick of the draft. I don't love that either. Pete Warner had a good rookie year. Demario Davis is still a very good player. Um, take a linebacker in the fifth at Appalachian State, who has to, again, jump two play levels. And I'm not entirely sure that's a good pick in terms of need. And then for Dart, again, Dart throws in round six. I'm not going to, I'm not going to critique those at all. Um, I don't know about those players that much. And again, it's Dart throws. So, but overall, the Saints lose this draft because, you know, they get bad value at 11 a bad pick at 19 with a player who's just not that good, in my opinion. Uh, again, another guy has to jump two, two play levels from, from what, D, D2 ball to NFL ball at left tackle is very hard. Um, again, Taylor's early. I thought it was a good player early, and then you're just taking non-positions in need if your next pick is not great. So don't love the Saints draft. They didn't figure out the quarterback plan. So I guess they plan on being terrible next year and drafting one. I don't know, but I, I don't love their draft at all. Yeah, and another team, you know, you mentioned that a team that was kind of similar in that regard was the Chicago Bears. Uh, you know, they have Justin Fields and didn't do anything for him. Uh, while they do have a plan at quarterback, it doesn't seem like they have a plan to help him succeed. The only pick that I really liked from the Bears as we kind of round out our losers segment uh, was Brisker, Jaquan Brisker at 48. Um, I got Kyler Gordon at 39. That made sense about where I thought he would go, especially with the corners that were left on the board. So I guess that wasn't a bad pick either. Um, but the first two picks being used on defensive backs was smart, but at the same time, they didn't get any wide receivers. Uh, waiting to draft one until pick 71 could pan out poorly for him as they drafted Bayless Jones Jr. out of Tennessee. Um, a lot of good players drafted, just poor value. Uh, you know, they had they drafted four offensive linemen, a D lineman, a couple of safeties, a running back, punter, receiver. Um, so a good haul for them overall. And you know, you're looking for a team that has 11 picks and it's pretty below average to you know just get guys, bring them in for competition, fill out the depth chart. And that's exactly what they did here. Um, but I was just confused with you know, the direction they went at the time uh, based on who was on the board, you know, what position they hadn't filled yet. You know, you don't need to take Jatiri Carter at 226 when you've already taken three offensive linemen, including one 19 picks before. It didn't make any sense to me. Like Elijah Hicks, safety at a Cal Berkeley, didn't get it. They just took Juan Brisker in the second round. The punter pick in the seventh makes sense. Um, Tristan Ebner, running back out of Baylor, they took it 203. It kind of made sense. It just didn't because a running back in the sixth round, you're not going to get a whole lot of production from him. Uh, I don't think that's really going to pan out for him. Zachary Thomas, the S San Diego State guy in the sixth, I mean, is a six-round pick, so I'm not expecting much. The, the whole overall, it's good to fill out the depth chart. But when you're a team that's not very good and you don't have a first-round pick, 
you need to make the most with your picks, and they didn't really do that. Um, you know, they had two second rounders, like I said, which they used on DBs. Then they had a third. Then they had two fifths, three six, and three sevenths. Like, you should trade some of those picks and move up. Just confusing uh, philosophy that the Bears were rolling with on draft uh, for the draft weekend. But, I mean, I hope it works out for them. I just wish they did some stuff for to help Justin Fields. Um, I don't think the six-round offensive lineman will pay dividends for protecting Justin Fields, but that's just me. I um, hope to Tyree Carter becomes a Hall of Famer just because <laughs> of this. I hope I hope he balls out so hard. Hey, I would love to see it. You know, I want to see teams play well, stay healthy. Uh, it's just good for the league. I don't want guys to not pan out. I mean, it's more competitive and better quality on the field when guys are healthy. You know, I hope all the four alignment they picked end up, you know, helping them down the stretch. I just – I don't see it, and I don't think they did the most with the picks that they had. Yeah. Again, you mentioned it. Kyler Gordon and Brisker at 39 and 48, respectively. I mean, it's it's good. It's a good – they're good players. And they're, they would be good picks if you didn't have the worst receiving core, the worst skill position group in the NFL. They're terrible. They don't – I mean, Darnell Mooney's really good, but other than him, like, they don't have anything of value there, really. They could have taken George Pickens with either of those picks, and it would have been great. He's, a, he's the perfect complement to Darnell Mooney's game. I just not doing anything for Justin Fields is, is is annoying and not and then not getting an offensive lineman to what the fifth round is what it was I think was our was our first offensive line pick of their four was in the yep. fifth round I think so I mean I just don't get it man again I don't know again yeah, Valus Jones the one receiver Valus Jones just great but there's other guys on the board who are better than him at receiver I. Wasn't a huge Valus Jones fan personally. Thought there were better receivers there, so um, I don't know. I the Bears just confused me. Well, whatever. They got their quarterback the future, so that's good. But um, I guess to wrap it up here, let's talk about any any of our kind of surprising picks, or I guess kind of our overall overarching thoughts on the draft. Um, I mean, I thought it was good. It's about what we expected in terms of some guys going early, some guys going late. There's the receiver run, which I thought might happen. Um, you know, there's always a couple guys who fall, Kingsley and Igbare, Nicobe Dean, always a couple guys who jump up boards, Tyler Smith, Cole Strange, Tyquan Thornton. Um, you know, again, there's going to be some picks you knew were going to happen. Uh, you know, things that if you go, you're on the draft and you go, man, if this guy's here for this team, they're taking him. At Hamilton at 14, Zion Johnson, the Chargers at 17, uh, both picks you kind of could see coming when the board kind of shaped up the way it did. Um, a lot of trades. I'll say this a record number of trades is really interesting. I mean, even throughout the fifth and sixth round, you're seeing trades. So um, overall, it was a fun draft weekend. I had a really good time. Um, you know, kind of it's, it's always kind of I always wake up on Sunday morning kind of sad that the draft is over because we, we spent so much time waiting for it. Um, but then again, I mean, it's really fun. Um, you know, again, the, the trades and stuff are really fun. Again, a lot of it's stuff we expect to see in terms of the surprises. Um, but again, like to see the surprises. They're fun to see. Um, again, fun to fun to kind of cover for you guys. So um, I'll let Brett kind of throw his overarching thoughts, and then we'll kind of wrap up today's uh, mock the draft. Yeah, I didn't. There were a few surprising picks to be expected. Uh, the first round, pretty much the players that were drafted was pretty much as expected. Uh, you have, you know, guys that missed the first, like Nicobe Dean, 
and a few others that I'm forgetting off the top of my head um, that were projected in the first and they don't go and it's kind of confusing. And then you see guys that went in the first that weren't supposed to like Cole Strange, um, Quay Walker. It's just a little surprising what you expect it. Uh, you always, there's always going to be someone on the board for you that you're not expecting. That was Kyle Hamilton for the Ravens. Uh, it's just, it's the fun part of the draft, you know, regardless of what sport it is, it's, you know, really a luck driven production that each team has to go through year to year, try to find the best guys from where they're picking and figure out how much do they want to put in to get the guy they want. And it's really exciting. But like you said, it's kind of sad that it's over. Uh, I know we wait for a long time for this. We got about 357 days until the next one, uh, which, which will definitely be exciting. We were going to, Definitely do some mock drafts next year on the uh, on the podcast, and then that's it for our draft episodes. Um, we're gonna resume our Thursday at six central releases as we have been since the pod kicked off. Um, but that's gonna be it. We're not gonna have any other episodes outside of that for the time being. If something comes up, uh, then maybe we add one. But as of now, we're gonna be talking every Thursday just about some new stuff. Uh, Starting this Thursday, we are going to add NHL. We're going to start talking about NHL and the Stanley Cup playoffs. They're kicking off. Started yesterday, so we're just going to give you all updates in the standings, the matchups, if anything kind of jumped off the screen. And then we're going to, you know, talk about what we normally do. So we appreciate all of the listens, all of the, you know, following. Uh, Drop us a follow at Cold Seat Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. We're going to keep you all updated if anything changes in regards to episodes or whatever uh, release days. So make sure you're following us there. Uh, but I think that's it. You know, we enjoyed doing this, the winners, losers, our own team's hall. I think we were both pretty satisfied with how the weekend went, especially for our team, addressed some needs, you know, rounded out some depth at some positions. But other than that, I think we'll see you all in a couple of days. See you guys then.